0: Okay. We're on? Yeah, yeah, we're on. We're on. Okay, well, welcome to the next episode of the steroids podcast. I've got my friend uh, Vadim on the phone today, so that we can have another new opinion to share with you guys.
1: Uh, I'm very very grateful to be here today. Thanks for the invite.
0: So, so Vadim first got my attention. He's a He's a power lifter uh, from Russia. And he first got my attention because he he started uh, sharing with me some unconventional methods for uh, just treating various types of side effects or just ailments that that you would experience that were more of like Eastern type of, of remedies. Uh, so uh, one thing that he, he shared with me that really stuck out was uh, he was telling me about uh, dye called methylene blue um, that helps with like uh, chilling you out and also yeah, which, is, uh,
1: which is basically a blue like a blue ink
0: <laughs> yeah you, you were right you know what you said when you you were you were warning me about uh don't let this touch anything because anything <laughs> it touches I, I mean even even the toilet man you pee because it turns your pee blue and then the toilet seat's stained blue
1: it's like it's like it's hard to say that it's blue, I, I say that it. it's like shades of blue and green. it's It's very interesting, yeah, hard to describe. You have to experience it by yourself to make an appeal.
0: <laughs> so uh, you were telling me, I, I remember when you first told me about methylene blue, you were talking about it as like an antiviral antiparasite uh, type type of antibacterial type of thing
1: yeah man i mean it has it has many many properties it's antiviral it's uh, antimicrobic it's anti-hypoxia it's, it helps people with tissue hypoxia basically uh it helps people with serotonin it has certain uh activities also so well it's just uh, almost to say a miracle compound which does many many things and uh well what got my attention when i was first reading about it that it is used to treat malaria and uh between the doses of like 35 to 70 MGs per day. It is pretty damn effective, and uh, well, it's also used to treat coronavirus, and it's pretty cool. It's pretty effective because you know there were studies conducted on it, and uh, they were giving methylene blue to people who were experiencing corona symptoms who were also in oncology centers in France. And what they figured out that the ones, uh, not the control groups, but the ones who were receiving the metal and blue solutions. Uh, nobody died, basically, and you know we're talking about people with cancer, who well mm-hmm. are they basically have, have have their death sentence, but well it to say the least prolonged their uh, lifespan, which which is pretty cool and it got my attention. And I also figured out that well there are many many things to discover about it. You you told me about it. I had been
0: sick uh, back in Turkey. Uh, for like a, a month you know i'd had the flu for about a month and uh then you, you told me about the methylene blue so i went and tried that and you know after i took the methylene blue for about one week straight all my sickness symptoms went away and i also noticed um at the same time that my mental state was almost impregnable where i i i felt uh you know i wasn't trying to get this or something. I was only taking the Methyl Blue because I wanted to be better from being sick. But I just started feeling like everything's gonna be okay. I'm in control. Yeah. Every, everything's, <laughs> I started getting this really distinct uh, mental feeling uh, and then you know I was looking up more about it and seeing that it's, a, it's a, a very effective treatment for like depression and bipolar and all this shit. But the thing is, is that I was buying this stuff at the uh, pharmacy for $1. And which made me think, wow, you know, this is another one of these medications that can't be patented, and so it's just buried. Yes, because it's so fucking cheap. You
1: can make money of it. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's good that you, that you noticed it, that basically I would say that and blue it works like a pretty mild SSRI. Well, but at, at the mm-hmm. same time, it's important to understand that if you are combining it with some other certain organic compounds, like SSRIs, like 5-HTP, or anything else which raises serotonin, you got you got to be careful because, well, too much serotonin also isn't good for you. Uh, you will end, you can end I, up being like a dummy who just doesn't care about anything, like like a person who is dude, like constantly on marijuana. <laughs> I, I had a slight
0: serotonin syndrome from the methylene blue actually because I took a hundred milligrams. You know, <laughs> I after after I uh, after I really found out that I like this stuff, uh, I started you know saying, you know how how far can I push this. So I took, I took a hundred milligrams per day for three weeks straight. And after about two weeks of doing that, I started to notice, um, that like I was very hot. So I had a fever, uh, and, um, I was, uh, getting some, some cramping and I had like a blood pressure spike and my heart was beating too hard and too fast for no reason. And uh, and, and then that serotonin syndrome, I, I had that. And then I. I stopped taking the methylene blue for about three days and, and it went away.
1: Well, I think it's still smart to uh, have breaks from it because, well, basically it's still, even though it's pretty cool and pretty efficient in solving many, many problems, it's a synthetic agent. So I think it will build up, build ups in your system for time. So the way I use it personally, I just, I just run it three weeks straight. And then I take two or three weeks off. And uh, well, it also okay. you know yeah. it, it also it also helps, as you said, with like some chronic disease if you have like inflammation in your nose or whatsoever. For for me, it does miracles because well, I live in Moscow, and the climate here is not great, and at the time we get these cars, this air pollution and, and whatsoever. So well, if I go to if I go by the seaside, uh, it instantly feels better. but well, here I have, I have to find some remedies. And still, Sistine, by the way, works also great with it. But I can say that I finally resolved this problem for me. Well, yeah, when I discovered like Midland Blue. And well, some other agents we can we can talk about later today. If that's yeah. where we're going.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. so, so uh, v- Vadim, you guys, is, is a power lifter. Um, and, and you you live in Moscow, like you said. What What are the essential... Powerlifting um, PEDs. Uh, what 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 is the for somebody who is going to be a powerlifter? What do they what do they have to have? And if they they don't have this, it, it's going to be really hard for them. Uh,
1: well, you know, first of all, I honestly believe that uh, in terms of like using steroids, there are really some powerlifters in uh, uh, World Powerlifting Federation. I mean, the official one, the International Powerlifting Federation (IPF) which uh can come away without using like o- almost nothing yes it, it, it can be done basically you can get really really strong without pets it, it's possible but you look like shit basically that's that's what it shows so, yes so getting getting extremely fast yeah, and just, building up in a amount yeah so basically what you need in powerlifting you you don't need some agents uh first of all that for which primary goal would be like to build muscle you need to recover and well, as you know, there are not many things which uh, helps your recovery. And basically, what do we have? We have like pets, we have sleep and we have food. If you exclude pets, all you left is like you have to sleep a lot and you have to eat a lot. And you know, in terms of goals, it, it makes you look like crap. But well, that's that's achievable. Well, but yeah, that, that was off topic. As you say, uh, well, what is popular in Russia, in Eastern Europe? I would uh, say that we are probably a little bit more health concerned than our American counterparts. That's what I believe, at least and i think that basically uh, we use compounds uh, according to what uh, weight category you compete in because well you know for example you are probably expecting me to say that well you can use trend balloon and like trend balloon is real deal but i would say that trend balloon is like is not the best solution when we're talking about people in the heavyweights because trend balloon it makes your muscles very very tight it holds, it holds water intramuscularly, and it really it really increases the risk of trauma. This is why, for example, I would say that train balloon is mostly used for people who compete in like 75 kgs, 82 kgs, 90 kgs weight categories. But, well, yeah, in general... Uh, so not in the heavyweight ca- categories here? Well, in the, America, people still use in America, people yeah. still use trend and, and they like use it a lot and they abuse it. But I would say that in, in Russia it's not it's not very popular. What I think like is, is bread and butter, which makes you strong and really, really fast, is anadrol. I think I, I've shared with you that my experience with. I believe that it's a pretty awesome drug if you know how to properly apply it. Yeah, I mean, the hepatotoxicity is a bitch and people are afraid of it. But at the same time, you have to remember that basically uh, it's mostly about the duration uh, on which you are going to use this compound. I would personally say that your liver can, well, be working really, really hard for not extended period of time. So, you know, if you like compare taking, uh, I don't know, 300 mix of roll for three weeks daily, I think Mm -hmm. it would be a lot better than taking it for nine weeks, 100 mg daily. It's, you know, man, it's Mm -hmm. it's like with alcoholics, what they say that uh, basically if you're drinking wine every day, it's worse than if you're like drinking vodka once per week because liver, oh, yeah, yeah. yes, I mean, liver can- Re- a lot of Yes, yes, liver can handle a lot of stress in some short time period, but at the same time, if you continue bombarding it with like different things like alcohol or like oral steroids or, or whatsoever, it will eventually give, give up and you'll uh, probably, you'll probably find That's out in- that you have uh, cirrhosis or at least uh, fatty fatty liver disease. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that seems to be one one of the, the things that is, is very uh, unique about the liver is that you take a break from it and it recovers a lot. You can push it, like you were saying, you can push the liver hard for a certain period of time, but then you take a break uh, and it makes a really powerful recovery. A lot of people are afraid of um, you know having severe liver damage uh, when only using oral steroids, which is... Uh, if you're not using other liver toxic substances at the same time, like Tylenol and alcohol is pretty rare to have like permanent
1: severe liver damage from steroids. It's almost unheard of. Yes. It's it's very rare for, you know, people who bitch up, bitch about that. They have, I don't know, like tumors in their liver or whatsoever. These are the guys who are taking anadrol for like two years straight. It, it's really hard. <laughs> it's it's really hard to make it happen, but well, some geniuses- and you
0: do hear about that.
1: So, uh, yeah, especially with yes. power lifters, like you're saying, because power lifters love Anadrol so much,
0: you know, you, you talk to them and be like, yeah, I take two or three uh, Anadrol per day. I've been doing that for the last three years.
1: Well, I, I, I think it's a pretty stupid advice and it's a pretty stupid strategy. <laughs> Firstly, because, well, you know, when we're talking about enerol, it's also that great because it uh, has its own effect on your adrenergic system and whatsoever. You understand that when you like take an, even hundred mix of enerol when you've been fresh for like a long time using mild compounds, like testo- testosterone and prima balone uh, okay. afterwards, you're like stronger two or three hours. Uh, for the 45 yeah. hours you're, you're already stronger well i like yeah. figured out that my my grip like improves like 10 to 15 percent uh, even w- when i start end roll so basically there's a major was,
0: stimulant
1: there's a stimulant effect right that is, yes you get absolutely. that really strong stimulant. absolutely this mm-hmm. is why we should probably think about how we could use it like around our workouts to make our workouts more efficient and uh, well you know after Three or four weeks, this effect just goes away, and what Anadrol uh, still gives you is like that bloat, and yeah, you're still you're still stronger, but you don't experience this boost, and you don't experience this drive that you've uh, uh, that you've experienced before. So that, that's, that's that that's drive, bullshit.
0: Yes. that drive that you're talking about is one of the premier effects of Anadrol that people love. Uh, I've I've heard many people uh, say my life changed when I discovered Anadrol because of that uh, like drive thing that you're talking about, where they feel like they have a different personality when they take it.
1: Well, yes. And neurologically, I mean, you adapt pretty fast. And, well, afterwards, it just, I don't know, it just goes down regularly to the point where it still some kind has some kind of effect on your sleep uh you well when you're using high doses of androgens like no matter what it is even master only high doses can give you it uh you i, I mean your ram sleep phase it, it just gets shorter basically and with enroll if if you're using it for prolonged uh, periods of time you will just end up burnout it's it's like even if we take uh, the liver out of equation here it's it's just not efficient use of drug. It, it must be cycled it's, it's not something you want to take year rounds what do you think is the the best way to use the Anadrol to
0: give the best effect in the powerlifting?
1: Uh, I think it has to be tied to your programming protocols. So, for example, in powerlifting, you're not just using singles, doubles, or triples year-round. So, basically, in the Rep, rep range. Like, you're, you're, yes. you're talking rep yes, range. I mean, I mean, rep range and peaking phases. So, you're basically... Mm. In powerlifting, uh, how cool you are is how cool you compete in, in the powerlifting meet. So you don't need that extra neurological drive uh, for all the year round. So when you're just, I don't know, working on technique, when you're building up volume throughout the whole year, I think, well, the best things that you can use, it's like coming back to what we've really starting, uh, started to talk about is like test and DECA, basically. That's that's the main things which all powerlifters use. If if you talk mm-hmm. to, the, uh, to the strongest guys like out there, they will say that probably their main steroids that we're using is test and DECA and well, Dianabol and Anadrol, uh, preferably like uh, due to close to competitions and whatsoever. But yeah, these are the basic, is Like yes, the basic this is these are the basics. Basics. This is what's gonna make you strong. Uh, this is also Deca also helps you with uh, uh, joints and ligaments inflammation, and it allows you to well just build up training volume and still get away with it. And well, it mm-hmm. produces like good recovery. So yes, basically I would say that if anyone, what would be my ultimate goal to do stack? uh it's like pretty simple it would be a test. it would be nandrol and uh when we're coming closer to the competition you will just end up uh throwing in some anadrol well the doses of course they depend like on your weight on your, on your i don't know on your, on your total strength and, and whatsoever I, i've never gone i've never gone higher than 200 mgs per day yes uh, and it, it, it was pretty it was pretty cool but yeah i know people who have done like 400 with, mgs with anadrol, right Yes, yes.
0: The the higher dosage is more than 200 milligrams per day. I agree that the benefit really isn't that much, uh, but there is a really strong toxicity, even though it's prescribed, like, you know, you were talking 400 milligrams, it can be prescribed for anemia at that dosage. It is not very tolerable uh, for just a person to take that, though it will make you not want to train.
1: Yes, yes, you just become eventually very lazy because of liver toxicity. And uh, we have a, we have a, well. The the bad part about it is how it affects your appetite. And again, you're like in a pretty, if you are in a pretty high weight category, you have to eat like at least five, six, seven thousand calories per day. And when because of this hepatic toxicity, which you experience daily, it, it's really hard. You just end up, well, you know, looking in your plate like for hours and hours and slowly, slowly eating. Well, but I would say it's it's still pretty tolerable when we're talking about two or three weeks. So if you are close to a competition or you just want to have a personal record, well, I think like 15, 20 days is doable. It's doable. Hard, but doable at the same time. Uh, but yeah, as we said earlier, doing this year round is like, I don't know, it's like masochism. It's you curious. know, I've, I've
0: seen an interesting effect with some orals, like uh, with Dianabol, Androl, SuperDrawl where, you know, normally when you go on these orals, one of the first things that you notice is, wow, my upper body pressing strength just increased out of nowhere, like magically.
1: Yes, uh, like, like the same day.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then I've noticed that some people that have been using them for a long time, you know, say guys who have been on D-Ball or Anadrawl uh, for three months plus, you know, some some of them have been on it six months, 10 months, whatever. When they actually come off, they gain strength again. Like there there seems to be almost like a an effect where they cross a threshold in their duration of use where it's now hurting their strength gains to continue. And, and then when they stop the oral, boom, their strength starts going up again immediately. Uh,
1: well, you know, I think I think there are mainly two factors uh, which we have to take into consideration here. First of all, that, as we mentioned, three to four months uh, straight of eating any oral would fucking crush your appetite. So your calories probably will go down and when you stop oral's and your liver starts to heal up, well, you will again start uh, flushing down the food. <laughs> and at the mm-hmm. same time, yeah, the central nervous system fatigue because of all this, uh, constant adrenal stimulation, it's, it's also a factor. It's also a factor which is contributing to the fact that your, um, one rep max or two rep max, it, it will, it will eventually will go down because well, in powerlifting, if you want to lift the maximum weight, you have to be fresh. Uh, your nervous system has, has to be fresh. And uh, all this constant bombarding of these compounds, which has such a tremendous effect on your adrenergic system, it will it will definitely ameliorate. Uh, <clears throat> it will definitely make, make things worse long term.
0: Uh, uh, talking about that, uh, as going with failure when you're training, uh, that's another thing. I think that a lot of people that are more beginning to training or the first few years, they want to take every set to failure, and they believe that you know every single time that they lift weights in the gym, every set, it has to be to failure, and that's going to get them the most progress. But I think that people that have been uh, more experienced, and especially powerlifters, know that uh, going to failure needs to be totally controlled because of uh, how it affects your recovery.
1: Uh, yeah, totally agree. I think the bigger the muscle group, the more far away, you'll better stay. Uh, the more, the more far away, you'd better stay out of failure. So for example, well, if you're training biceps or triceps or whatever, doing like curls, uh, you can go to failure. Well, pretty often it, it won't affect mm-hmm. you. But when we're talking about squats, especially like deep, deep, deep squats, uh, if you train to failure there, you will just, uh, you'll just end up feeling beat up the next day and it, it really affects all your training capability. So harder, uh, harder
0: to come back and do like super compensation, like come back strong. Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, even well, even when I trade bodybuilders, I really make them go to failure. Yeah, I know, like Dorian Yates and, and whatsoever, Mike Manser. They say that you have to go to failure, like on every set, and you have to well train with li- really, really low volume. But, well, I think it's just a training style, which just doesn't fit many people. So some people have nervous system, which were pretty much when God was creating him, he was inspired by a tent or or whatsoever. They they are fucking unbeatable, they are beasts. So they they can can really push themselves for prolonged periods of time. But, well, for me, for for many other people who are not like genetically freaks, I figured out uh, pretty, pretty long ago that, well, all this philosophy of, always training hard is not right. I think I think still, uh, well, when you're writing a training plan, when you're figuring out what training protocol you want to use, you have to split it into months and understand, well, for example, here I'm like pushing volume, here I'm more like on pushing intensity, here I'm probably, I don't know, focusing uh, on like failure sets. And yeah, if you're using failure sets, I would strongly advise people to use machines. Because it's it's just you can go further and then you'll probably not uh, end up being very 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 hurt. That's, so with your
0: powerlifting it. with your powerlifting trading, you you really aren't um, going to failure basically much at all on on your yeah. We, we
1: we very very rarely max out. It's like ninety percent, nine nine out of ten is like a good effort, and it's not even used uh, like uh, every week. It's, it's probably like once a month or whatsoever. Well, it, yeah, it just you know it, it it just it just depends. I personally don't compete anymore because well, I just don't have time for this. But so I can afford, uh, I can afford to, to you know go into higher efforts during training. For example, like yesterday I was pulling. So what was it? Uh, my plan was to pull 700 pounds for two reps, uh, and well, it all just went up, and I just ended up doing. Uh, so yeah, I just I just think in kilograms. So I'm I'm trying to make it easier for your audience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah yeah i pulled 720 for two reps and it was pretty decent it was pretty easy and i said like fuck yeah let's go uh let's go try 750 and it almost went up but well i made like a technical mistake and i lost balance but well 85 percent of the lift was uh, basically done Uh, i just struggled in the lockout uh but you know basically if i were competing to a competition i would have never done this because I know that the stress that uh, I've just put on my nervous system is uh, it, it, it's pretty bad. And uh, I, I would have never done this if, if I had, uh, for example, you know, any peak weeks ahead. But well, for me, if, if I'm not like a competing powerlifter anymore, it's okay. For my students, uh, basically who I train, I would have never allowed such things like during, in the, in the middle of a prep or whatsoever. Because you have to understand that it's like taxation on your body, which you have to pay, and you'll pay it with additional percentages.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of a lot of guys, if you go to a, a normal gym, just your average gym with uh, just regular regu- regular regular weightlifters, some people using steroids, some people not. Uh, you'll a lot of the people, almost everyone, is not meeting uh, some actual basic lifting numbers in compound lifts. So there, you can say like. They say three, four, five, as in three plates, four plates, five plates. Uh, being able to do four rep, for reps a three a three <laughs> plates it, it
1: really, it really freaks me out because, well, you know, I'm primarily a power lifter, so I'm uh, used to thinking in percentages, and I just, mm-hmm. I just think, dude, there's, there's like so much more in between three or four or five and five reps, and then five plates. It's basically, it's basically idiocy. I think that all these, you know, ideas that. I'm like benching, uh, you know, three plates for 10 reps. Afterwards, I'm benching uh, two, uh, four plates for two reps. And afterwards, I call like out three guys and we have like five plates on the bar. And I'm trying to mm-hmm. bench in that basically they do all the work for me. That's, that's idiocy. That's like bitch thinking. Well, pe- people who advise to do this, you should, I know, come off a bridge <laughs> or whatever. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: I was thinking though about uh, like as far as like uh, having a three plate bench for reps, a four plate squat for reps, and a five plate deadlift for reps. Uh, a lot of a lot of guys in the gyms can't do that. A lot of guys who have even been taking steroids and training for years are still you know really having trouble doing that. I'm sure you've noticed the same thing. You know, just going into a commercial gym, most
1: people yes, are using ab- less. Yes, absolutely. Day. Absolutely. You know, uh, the paradox, which I figured out uh, recently, I think that the internet strength standards are very, very high. For example, uh, on Instagram, if you bench 500 pounds, you're nobody because in the internet, everybody's stronger. They just say, well, no, it's yeah. basically people have benched 600 and 700. So what's, what's this all about? But at the same time, uh, the opposite fact happens in the gyms because, well, as you said, the gym, the gym strength standards are pretty, pretty fucking low. Because in a gym, if you like, I don't know, if you bench three plates for one rep, you're a pretty cool guy. And yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: most people never load the bench press with three plates. You're right. That's that's yes. Un- uncommon.
1: Yes, they they've been like to the gym for ten years straight, and they have used uh, they had several steroid cycles, and they still can't bench it. So, it's horrible. Uh,
0: what what kind of advice do you have for these guys? Because. Uh, you know, this this absolute strength is obviously highly correlated with how much muscle mass you have. And Absolutely. so I I a lot of these guys that, you know, they want to be big, they want to be thick, but they they just seem to be addicted to these isolation exercises. And, you know, you're trying to get them to, to try to convince them to say, hey, man, you have got to be able to bench three plates for reps. You have got to be able to squat, you know, four plates for reps if you want to have big legs or, you know, big upper body, et cetera. Um, And that's very hard for them to internalize this. They don't want to do
1: it. What kind of advice do you have to help them get there? Well, you know, I'll probably start my answer with uh, my personal story. Uh, When I was a teenager and I was squatting, I have pretty long femurs. And, well, squats have never been good for me. Uh, I've I've really struggled with this lift. And I was using... uh, I was using... uh, really strong knee reps uh i think it was like the yellow insert ones yeah that as well. and i was squatting like mile high it was like half squats honestly but with these high squats i've ended up squatting like nearly 600 pounds for reps at once i may uh, uh and once i ran into a weightlifter in a commercial gym and he was like the fuck you're doing what what is this what is this bullshit?" And afterwards, I finished my set and he finished, uh, I don't know, uh, berating me. <laughs> he just came to the bar and uh, it was 600 pounds, well, less, 585, honestly, 260 kgs. Mm. And uh, yeah. without any warmup, he just walked it out and made like three squats without a belt uh, as to the grass. And well, my ego was humbled at this time and then I said, well, fuck. Wow, yeah. Yeah, that, that is. Really I impressive. probably I probably have to fucking relearn what I was doing for all these years. So that that's that's what I want to answer. First of all, you have to put your ego away. If you're uh, well, if you're bench pressing like you know this touch and go or bouncing the bar out of your chest, uh, if your ass is not on the bench at the same time, you have to well just calm down a little bit and figure out the technique for you which which suits you. Uh, well, because you know especially when they're talking about bench press uh, I think with the common technique which which is used like the wide grip it is uh, uh, what we learn from powerlifters who usually use uh, who usually use the bench shirt uh, I think okay. that the grip for most people is a little bit a little bit more narrow basically narrower grip is the key so i say Get away and get out from your ego. Just well, relearn the moving patterns. For example, as is, is like as is like I said, if you are squatting like mile high, well, learn to squat deep. Maybe well, let your knees pass your toes like a little bit. Uh, have good motor patterns, and uh, just afterwards, don't max out. Uh, learn the movement. Get get good with your technique and progress, and that's it. So I, I honestly think that. Even naturally, almost anybody can bench free plates. Was that one 140 kgs? It's it's pretty achievable. And if you're and if you're doing pads, it's 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 strange if you if you're if you can do it after several years of using even just testosterone, it's pretty really strange. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you know, it, it seems like that would be you know one of the first things that everybody wants to achieve. But it, it seems it seems they they just they can't get away from doing this other stuff. I, I don't I don't understand why they can't. Uh, understand that the bench the squat and the the row the deadlift you know these basic exercises is where they're going to get most of their their thickness from most of their muscle mass
1: yeah yeah well basically because i like started with powerlifting it, it really helped me with any other sports which, which i was doing afterwards because well you you basically learn how to move and how to utilize your muscle fibers while you're using the big free for example, well, I would say if if you try, well, to evolution away from powerlifting afterwards, well, you'll probably end up uh, switching from deadlift to Romanian deadlifts because, well, all this, you know, the idea of you ripping the bar off the ground is, is also well taxating on your nervous system and, you know, well, bodybuilders who are smart enough, well, yeah, they, they sometimes will just substitute the deadlift with Romanian deadlift or stiff leg deadlift. Well, mm-hmm. because it's, it still trains, uh, uh, it still trains your glutes it still trains your hams. Uh, but once again, it just uh, uh, removes the, this part, which which is essentially hard for uh, to, to recover from. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Well, like like totally agreed. Well, with if, if uh, like the big free, it will be initially easier to get jacked. A lot easier. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so so with in, in Russia, there's a lot of there's a lot of freaks in Russia that seem to have a different look than Western guys have, and. Uh, I, I was wondering if you had any uh, clair- clarity you could sp- help uh, share some clarity on you know is it what is it is it uh, growth hormone and insulin that is that is causing that or is it trend blown are growth hormone and insulin pretty popular in Russia because it, it looks you, you like mean
1: it. you mean freaks in bodybuilding or freaks freaks, freaks, freaks?
0: um bodybuilding bodybuilding freaks because uh, we see this the, a different look in Russia uh, than in Western for bodybuilding And uh, it looks like there's a lot of growth hormone and insulin use going on there. Uh, Just wondering what your uh, what your take on Russian growth hormone and insulin use is.
1: Well, you know, I think only I can just speculate. Basically, as I said, I honestly believe that in powerlifting we're like a little bit more health concerned, but I think that in 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 bodybuilding we're like left twenty years behind maybe 25 mm. years behind, because, well, you remember the 90s? You remember the freaks? Uh, like, Nassim yeah. Somebody, well, like, well, the Dorian Yates started all of this, like, uh, Paul Dillette. Uh, I think that uh, what happened to American bodybuilding, like, like, 20, 25, 30 years ago is, like, what's happening in Russia now. Uh, Because nowadays, you don't see people with bloated guts, Mr. Olympia. Well, yeah, bodybuilders are a little bit smaller, but they are more into looks like conditioning, all these 3D effects and whatsoever. They don't just eat so much carbs. They don't use that much insulin because the judging has changed. In Mm -hmm. in the era of Ronnie Coleman and Jay Cutler, it was about you have to get bigger, bigger, bigger. Well, Marcus Ruhl, uh, Günther Schleimkamp, they, they were very, very popular. Uh, but afterwards, we feel he basically it, it evolved to eventually we had like Sean Rodner as a Mr. Olympia. Like the guy who is probably the thinnest Mr. Olympia since since whom? Since Lee Yeah. Lee yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. The thinnest waist at, at the Mr. Olympia, like 100%. Uh, so I think in Russia we are like experiencing this uh, syndrome of uh, mass monsters that was very popular in America in the 90s. It means, yes, as as we say, like a lot of growth hormone, a lot of insulin and a lot of calories eventually, and big, Mm, big, big meals. So Mm -hmm. uh, I think we just have to evolve through this and maybe in five to 10 years it it, it will go away, but yeah, that's, that's probably what, that's what you say. Why we have freaks is because we have high resolution photos, which was not available in the nineties and they were not as common. And at the same time, well, as you say, we're just. We're just children here, we we just don't understand what it is. Because, uh, well, uh, uh, from our conversation, we also like talked about it, that all these 90s legends, they're they just dying off now. Basically, it's, it's it's not very great when you just uh, uh, inject so much, inject so much anabolics and so much growth uh, just in yourself at the same time. It's it's really not good for your cardiovascular system, really not good for your uh, heart, I mean, left ventricle hypertrophy whatsoever.
0: Yeah, it is. Would you say that growth hormone is pretty pretty damn popular in Russia? Because it's it seems like there's a uh, there's a a big market for it. I just uh, it's, it seems to me like that it's more popular to use growth hormone
1: in Russia than it is in the West. Would would, would you say that's true? Uh, I think because in Russia it's cheaper. That's that's like okay. What people use it. That's that's so, that's so the main idea which I can come up with. And, getting uh, getting
0: growth hormone is easy
1: and it's lower price in russia yes yes like everyone everyone can get it so and uh, also well you know as i said we are really 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 away from you in terms of uh, well biochemistry knowledge uh, people still here believe that you have to use like 10 to 20 i use to get checked and at the same time well uh, i listen to like jordan Pierce. i listen to like the big freaks from the west and all of them like switch to five six i use basically because they just understand that with growth hormone uh, when you're already very very big it's not like uh, the causation like the more the better works it's, it just can make things worse i personally when i use growth hormone i'm a pretty big dude i just uh, i'm a little bit well that's how many 140 kg. it's 310 pounds if i use more than five even if i use more than 4 i use of growth hormone well i just get so fucking bloated even if you use the pure one versus still with a uh, factor of it it uh, makes you hold up more sodium uh, it really it, it really becomes hard for me to breathe and well my endurance goes to yeah. shit and my training capacity also well cuz diminishes pretty fast so, and the hard yeah. the hard gut that sticks out uh, the the food digestion becomes so slow Yes, yes, all this all this bloat inside your body, uh, well, in your muscles, in your intestine, basically, it it makes you hard to live. I honestly believe it if I would have been smaller, I probably could have got away with lesser doses, but it's still, I don't know, it still makes me you know the word horrified a bit when I hear people say I use like twenty or thirty using it mean, like how? was <laughs> <Yeah. It's> because <laughs> because even even if we say even if we say that it's farm farm great, uh, which is not basically it's it's impossible like someone using like some further like i use a grow hormone uh, would would you go with like nordythropine or, or anything like this even it's farm grade water retention because all of this sodium would be so fucking bad that well it would be really hard to even move so yeah yes uh
0: you know actually i've experimented with that because because you know when i was in turkey the the genotropin pens there are so cheap you know they they sell the, at the pharmacy there, they sell the genotropin pens for uh, 90 USD for uh, 36 mm. IU. And so mm. I, you know, I, at one point I said, you know, I'm never gonna have this chance again, you know, so I'm, I'm gonna figure out, you know, exactly, and you know, I'm gonna push this. And, and so I took a half a genotropin pen per day, for, for three weeks. Uh, and, and, you know, so that was 18 IUs a day for three weeks and the the if i would eat a single carb my my skin would fill up with so much water that it would be like like just even the the pressure of my shirt against my arm would
1: create markings on my skin exactly that's what happens it's really all these high dosages uh, all these protocols with very very high dosages of growth hormone it just makes impossible not to even train but to well leave leave properly i mean without any discomfort Mm. I, I, I totally agree with you, too, that the lower dosages of growth hormone
0: are are all that's necessary. I, I have noticed this with Tremblone and growth hormone both, is that uh, blasting these two compounds is not necessary to get their best effects. Uh, blasting Tremblone or growth hormone is, it seems to be almost, uh, it's just not helping. If With growth hormone, three to six IUs is where I think the, the best effects are had from. And with Trenbolone, I, I don't think that uh, going above 500 milligrams is very helpful. I, I would say actually between with Trenbolone, 150 milligrams to uh, 350 milligrams per week are the optimal dosages.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's really hard for me to understand how how, how to really apply it, Trenbolone. Well, considering everybody reacts different, I, I just became a dickhead on it, so I don't use it anymore. You know i yeah. will uh, be better off being like a nice guy to all my friends and family than having that extra bicep or neck vein on me i'm good without it yeah i'm good yeah me too, uh, me too. yeah so i just say uh but you know as, as you said blasting trend below if you if we're blasting trend below the only purpose that we're probably chasing is we try to get stronger basically yes and at the same time if you understand that if you use anadrol for the same period of time you'll get stronger than while you're using trend below that's what that's that's what just I believe that's what works for me. It works for my students, and as you say, like using it long term. Uh, well, it's still uh, it still gives me a question on how you're gonna control the CNS fatigue, how you're gonna counter this blood pressure. It's it's definitely not something that you want to use year round. So I don't know, like oh. two or three month cycles. Still, well, it's it's a very specific drug for a very specific individuals with specific goals. I believe not for everybody, if you ask me.
0: Yeah. Another reason, though, why, why people want to use Tremblone uh, in addition to the strength it is that they, they don't know how to do a diet and they're using it as a crutch. And so yeah. th- then they notice another thing is that, hey, you know, steroids don't burn fat that well. And so so, you know, it will do it to a certain extent, especially when you're more of like a novice or a beginner on steroids. They're more effective at burning fat. But then, you know, they'll reach a point where they're like, hey, you know, I'm not getting shredded. I want to be shredded. And I don't know how to do a diet that I can stick to. And so then they'll start pushing the tremble on that dosage up near like 700 milligrams or 1,000 milligrams per week, trying to become lean from doing that.
1: Yes, it, it makes it easier. It makes it easier, basically. Just, just, um, just do it like a bitch and still be lean, relatively lean. Because, <laughs> you know, uh, well, I don't know, I don't know about, about America, but, well, uh, the... I mean, it's raw powder of Trenbolon, which basically everybody buy from China. Well, under very rare exception, uh, it still has estrogen in it, some of estrogen. And I believe that that's that's why everybody loves it so much. And that's why it puts so much water into into the muscle. And well, you know, uh, chromatographically, me and my friends, we once tested it. So in Russia here. So oh. uh, yes, yes, that's that's it. In hundred MGs of trend, which mm-hmm. like it's it's a pretty good supplier, which we usually buy from. Whereas eight mg of estrogen, or of, uh, what's what's uh, the what's the form of it? ethanyl estradiol. Yes, that, that's it. Wow. Which we So so you there. guys did a a, a map a
0: chromatography test on it to see what chemicals were inside, and yes, and yes. there was actually estrogen added to the tremble powder
1: yes yes that's it and we used even two different uh, we used two different products from two different suppliers and they both had it yes uh well we also know we, we made a trick because we knew that the police would come after us afterwards but like what the fuck you're bringing in here we bought the estrogen in the oil base in uh the vet uh pharmacy and we just uh, took away the uh, we just uh, took away the stickers from it and put it on trend so, when, mm. when when they phoned us, we said, like, you know, we, we bought it in, in veterinary, basically. What are you bitching about? It still had extra dilated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's uh, so, so I, yeah, that's good. So, I know. Uh, that's how you have fun I... in Soviet Russia, yes? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, we, we've talked about before um, about. Uh, like non non fatty uh, non alcoholic fatty liver disease etc. Uh, which which can can be because of diet and every, and everything or like insulin resistance. Uh, but what about for so for guys that um, that that do wanna wanna lose weight like for the powerlifting competitions and everything? What what do you what do you do to help them do
1: that uh, as far as their diets go? Uh, well. Well, basically, I just make them do more cardio, low intensity That's, cardio.
0: Okay, so low intensity cardio is your main source of uh, changing their weight. Well, you know,
1: yes, because basically we can use clonbuteral, we can use albuterol, we can use uh, whatever. We can we can use yohimbine. We can use even like very low doses of DNP. But you know, as again as I said, like people who I train, I try to make sure that their nervous system is fresh all the time. And if you're throwing in stimulants. Well, it just Ah. will fuck up the training process initially. So I try to stay away from all the things which uh, spike your adrenaline. Uh, Well, Mm -hmm. every time when when it's possible. You know, even if I coach people for bodybuilding competitions, I, well, the last time I used climbural was like probably in 2017. Because as I said, well, climbural makes you stressed out. And uh, when you compare how you, when you compare how you, can prepare from a bodybuilding show with and without it, eventually, eventually you will look better without Calbutyrol somehow, even though, yeah, the diet phase would take a little bit longer. Uh, so as you said, well, people just, uh, try to throw in like the pills, uh, throw in like new injections when they just don't know, to, know, they don't know what they should do with their diet and it's like crunches for them. So it's, it's pretty, as, as I would say, uh, it's the amateur way of thinking if if you're if you're well pretty pretty good on the dieting part if you know well how to utilize well cardio if you know how to utilize well training properly also like some vitamins as we've also spoken about uh i think you'll be good at, even without it
0: mm-hmm. uh and, and another another question would be uh, about insulin sensitivity and so there's definitely like a lot of data and like conflicting studies and stuff that show, um, hey, you know, eating eating a high carbohydrate diet is what's going to de- is going to increase your insulin sensitivity, uh, which then in contrast to that, somebody that has diabetes, which is uh, you know low insulin sensitivity, uh, type two diabetes. Usually um, eating a lot of carbohydrates, it would be exactly the opposite of what is going to help them with their diabetes. For example, they'll take metformin and they'll take insulin for the purpose of removing carbohydrates from their bloodstream instead of building up in their bloodstream. But then you have this science uh, that says the opposite of this, you know, and says these studies that say, oh, insulin sensitivity uh, is increased from eating carbohydrates
1: and decreased from eating fats. What do you make of that whole thing? Uh, well, you know, uh, have I ever linked you with the like studies of the articles which uh, write like this old gentleman whose name is Ray Pete? No, I, I haven't no? seen him. Uh, well, yeah, that's that's basically a dude who is, I would say, in terms of metabolic health, he's probably right 85 to 90 percent of the time. And, well, Mm -hmm. he has, like, a whole different theory about, well, how you should handle diabetes. And he even says, well, you know, people misinterpret him because, well, he says sugar isn't bad or sugar is good in certain scenarios. Sugar is good for lowering inflammation, which, you know, the fitness zealots, uh, they they get freaked about. Like, what? You mean, like, sugar? But he doesn't mean, like, go and eat this fucking white sand. He just says that three to four quarters of orange juice per day is pretty cool for you. It's cool for your liver Mm -hmm. health. It's cool for your mitochondria and well it's going to do good to you good for you over time but well what i'm trying to say is that you know reading articles and reading studies on the internet if you're good at just googling shit you can prove any point of view that you want like any it just yeah. uh, it just it just comes down to the fact how you can uh, how, how how you can utilize all, all this stuff and how good you're at, at talking basically the <laughs> fun fact so well and, and uh, you've got uh, these pharmaceutical companies who are
0: literally paying uh, for these fraudulent studies to be to be written.
1: Yes, yes, yes. So there is so much fucking misunderstanding, and it's it's it's, it's really hard for. Well, I would say a person who is relatively new here to understand basically what's happened, it all comes down to basic, basic biochemistry. Uh, if you don't have a problem processing glucose in your mitochondria, if well, let's say your cardiovascular health is in is in check, if you're physically active and whatsoever, then yeah, carbohydrates are are good for you, even even if you're a fat. <laughs> well, I could. Okay. I could go basically you know in, in in Krebs cycle yeah i would just need some translation because still i remember it in russian but it would be a little bit hard for me to just retell it in english uh what, what i'm trying to say but uh i just uh, i just i just don't believe that like there is the only one way out for for example well you know if you have a person well if you have like two diabetics who is, is like they're both having a diabetic state or so at least they have metabolic syndrome and one of them is 100 kgs and every is 150 kgs you pretty mm-hmm. much, well, you'll agree with the protocols which we're going to apply to them would be different, like distinctly different. So, mm-hmm. like in the, in the second scenario where we have like a really, really fat guy, I think that, well, decreasing his carbohydrates would be uh, not, not a bad idea, basically, and using metformin would be also okay which, which by the way, I don't like metformin. I think I've stated stated to you before, because well, metformin basically poisons the mitochondria and doesn't allow it to use glucose. So it's like, we're moving towards the path when we are not, well, trying to use the metabolic pathways and we're just trying to basically, uh, make sure that the person doesn't get that uh, much carbohydrates in his system. So he will eventually, uh, be more insulin sensitive to it. And uh, very good carbohydrate blocker that that for you guys listening metformin is uh is
0: extremely effective at blocking carbohydrates from coming in
1: yeah that's why people have to use with uh with growth hormone because you don't get that much bloat with it and it's Mm -hmm. that's why that's why it's it's effective and the growth hormone plus metformin like in combination it makes you look very very much better in 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 terms of days basically days or yeah couple of weeks Oh, yeah, no, you're right. With days, like like three days, the uh,
0: difference in, your, in in muscle hardness and fullness, the actual hardness in the muscle when growth hormone and metformin are combined is, is amazing. You know, It's really part of the puzzle where you see these guys where they have this different muscle shape, this square muscle shape these days when you've got bodybuilders up on the stage and you think, oh, well, all these guys look the same. And you're kind of wondering, how did they get this look? That, that combination of growth hormone, metformin,
1: and insulin is basically what provides that that shape that you're looking at that square shape yes exactly so and at the same time well i believe that if we're talking about a person who is still diabetic as we say Mm -hmm. but uh he is not at the same time uh at the same time he is not as fat Probably I would not have prescribed him metformin. I, mean, I would like, you know, try to get away with things like uh, biotin, like uh, the B, uh, it's it's B7, B7 vitamin, if, if I'm not mistaken, uh, which is, is also pretty good in processing carbohydrates. And it's like the opposite of metformin in terms of it, it makes your mitochondria eat more of the carbohydrates and will use it to eventually produce CO2, which is great. Oh, very yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's that's why I usually give people when they are uh, having a carb load. Some people stick with ALA, like alpha-lipoic acid, but I don't like it long term because it interferes with your iron absorption. Well, it basically just chelates iron and makes you pee it out, which is not great because we need iron. And people who use pads and well try to get stronger, try to build more muscle, we just have, uh, we just have a higher need in iron. So that's why we even try to supplement it. Well, basically sometimes. Uh, especially, well, all this this process of uh, uh, hematopoietic cascades uh, when we use baldinone or we use anerol, it's just uh, fucking diminishes iron from your bloodstream. That's, that's why you need it uh, from the outside. And uh, alpha-lipoic acid, even though it, it's pretty loved by bodybuilders, I would say, for carb loading, it's okay, but using it long-term, well, it, it will just make you kind of anemic to some point. So uh, for, for
0: insulin sensitivity, you prefer vitamin B7 to alpha-lipoic biotech.
1: acid? Yes, biotin. I would I would say it's better. You know, biotin. But biotin. What is what is that? Is it, that's a type of B vitamin? It's, it's it's what girls use for hair and uh, nails. Uh, it, it just uh, makes it better. But at the same time, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty cool thing to feed the mitochondria. And well, it 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 it, it really helps you to utilize glucose more. You utilize it for fuel, because well, you know, I always preach. What I preach from the athletic standpoint, and that's why I don't like metformin because it makes your workouts less efficient because it just uh, drives you into the state, the sympathetic state where you're like burning more fat. And if you're burning fat, it's, it's really hard to be strong at the same time because the taxation on the oxygen is a lot much, is much, much higher when you're using fats uh, against carbohydrates. But still, I just don't I don't say I don't say that it's like a bad drug. I don't say that it doesn't have an application. I just don't even believe that there's such a thing a bad or a good track. I think its very different scenarios where you can use one things and don't use another. that's that, that's just what I say. but different weight categories and well even slightly different goals would probably require different protocols to approach it.
0: Yeah, I'd say that for the guys that are listening to this, if you if you are a hard gainer, then don't use Metformin if if you're somebody who has problems with like binge eating and you're somebody who has problems like you're you're a natural hard gainer, like somebody who's getting you know way up, increasing their weight all the time and you're tra- constantly battling to bring your weight back down, that's kind of more the person who I think would benefit from that foreman.
1: Yeah, this guy would benefit a all from insulin
0: from from insulin.
1: Yeah. By the way, like uh, the topic that what we didn't cover, which is also pretty important in powerlifting, I would say that it's it, it's really great when you know how to apply this insulin. Because, yeah, well, yeah let's insulin, talk about that. Insulin, insulin insulin can make your workouts uh, and recovery from them so much better just depending on the time. So for example, if you're using insulin before your workouts like with your big meal, with your when you're having dinner or lunch and afterwards you go you go to the gym, if you're using insulin and you add like additional carbohydrates, like uh, the glucose basically, uh, you you have to you have to try to stay away from fructose at all costs when using insulin because fructose has uh, like a pretty short metabolic way when it's like turned into fat. And the insulin, uh, it, it basically helps it to, to to transform. So yeah, using insulin before workouts could well really help you to, uh, to could really help you to induce uh, into work all these anti-catabolic cascades and can make your just workouts more effective because it helps you to store the glycogen. And, pre-workout well, insulin, so then
0: having like a an intra-workout shake and everything, or drink and everything, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, as I do personally, I use insulin with uh, with my lunch, and afterwards I take my pre-work, uh, take my intra-workout shake, which, well, I train for three hours straight, so I drink a lot during it. My mm. intra-workout shake is 200 grams of dextrose, which is like simple glucose. You can buy it like in a brewery store or, or whatever. It's it's pretty so, common. So 800 calories there. That's that's a big yeah. intra-workout drink yeah but well I, I work out for three to three and a half hours so i have a full body to. split so yeah so for example like yesterday i did deadlifts and as i said i went up to 750 pounds and afterwards i did leg press and afterwards i did some bench press and afterwards i made some accessories and afterwards i had like some you know uh some gymnastic workout or whatsoever so yeah i, I need it <laughs> i need to with me uh also also i put there like 200 uh, 20 grams of amino acids it could be BCAAs could be like simple amino acids it doesn't matter it just uh, it just helps to f- folding all this uh, amino acid content in your intra workout shake it just help you to fold fold all this glucose into your muscles and turn into glycogen eventually uh i use, so it, you like, use bcaa 1 to 10. not you don't use whey protein you use bcaa i use whey protein just before when i go to bed uh, okay whatever. Never during the day. Yes. And also I add some salt. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, I say it's six to eight grams of salt, which equates to four to five grams of sodium during workout. And that's it. That's, that's a pretty cheap intra-workout shake. And it's pretty effective. I don't believe in this, you know, all these complex dextrins, Vitargos or, or what's that. I think they're just a waste of money because I've used them and I've used dextros, and they got similar results out of both. So I just don't prescribe it anymore. Mm.
0: And, and and so how, so with the with the insulin then and and your workout I, I think you covered it how it makes sense using the insulin to uh, load the fuel and the recovery nutrients yes, during your that, by using the well, workout.
1: Well, yes, and afterwards you can use it after workout. Well, just to drive all this anabolic cascades now and to make sure that all your nutrients uh, and all your these glucose that you consumed it will be stored in the myocytes. Well, so yeah, like the two main, uh, well, the best timing for insulin is like pre workout and post workout. It's you know if you're using like five, five to eight IU's, like three to four times a day, of uh, 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 five, five or eight IU's, three to four times a week, twice a day, it comes up equates to six to eight injections per week. Uh, I mean like the Novolin, the short, the short one uh that's a protocol which you can use for a very long time and if you're not getting fat from it you will just recover better and you will grow faster that's how i see subcutaneous, it. subcutaneous shot with the novel yeah i i know i know you know i take it uh, i usually inject it in my arm in my bicep or in my tricep because well you take it intramuscular yes intramuscular because it has uh, an ability to induce lip- lipogenesis Mm. there if if you google it you will find that there are pictures of people who just uh, you know t- injected it in one spot and there was like it's not like a lump but it's it's like a swelling from fat like on their stomach so i i prefer to inject into my arms or somewhere intramuscular because it makes you less fat somehow i, see, yeah, I know see. i know it's I bro see. i know it's bro science but well it just just works well well
0: the, the it makes sense because because you've you've got a very much more direct access to the bloodstream going into the muscle whereas with in the, in the fat you're you're getting uh, a lot of saturation in that general area with insulin before yes. it really makes it into the full
1: main bloodstream yeah yeah which is not great and, well, it makes sense because uh, you probably noticed the lipoatrophy effect from growth hormone when, when you're using it locally. So that, that's yeah. why even in the instruction, it, they, they, have, they prescribe it to you that you don't inject it in one spot and you rotate the spots. It's funny doing that, though, when you do inject it
0: only into one side, one spot, like to the right side of your belly button every time. And then you're like, wow, my, my the right side of my belly button is uh, lean and the left side is not. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> i have also realized this because, well, uh, I was just, you know, when I was just using broform I was very tired, like, after work, and I was, like, always using my right hand, so. Uh, so you were
0: talking about, uh, with, with insulin uh, a little bit ago, you were talking about uh, people using it to increase their insulin sensitivity. Um, uh, I think you mentioned something about that.
1: Well, once I think I probably mentioned to you that I know protocols how people use growth hormone at very very low doses to increase insulin sensitivity, and there are studies on it.
0: The studies okay, which okay. were like
1: conducted on females, and well, it has to do with how it enhances your circadian rhythms. But well, I'm not sure about the exact dosages which were used in this study, but it was probably uh, 0.3, 0.5. They use before bed. Okay. Yes, and they also maybe they also maybe used melatonin. Well, I have to google this up basically, but yeah, it, it was it was tested and it, it really works. I, I personally I personally helped uh, once a person who was in a pre-diabetic state, and I helped to f- help him with melatonin, with a little bit of growth hormone, with niacin. And you know uh, the funny part about niacin because it's also believed really like the drug which induces insulin uh, insulin insensitivity. It makes insulin resistant. But if we use it in very small dosages, like fifty to hundred mg's, uh, it can basically make your liver relearn when you want to. Uh, it, it can make your liver relearn all this pattern when it just uh, throws away the glucose in the bloodstream. So mm, I see. So re- yeah. restoring restoring your liver from
0: the the metabolic syndrome.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it also could be part of uh, you know anti fatty liver protocol. But for, well, I, I used it to, well, just uh, make sure that all these, uh, you know, uh cascades are, are, are working properly. And it was a great success. It was like just a friend of mine uh, on whom I made my experiments. <laughs> and his in- insulin sensitivity went up, like, you know, without metformin, without berbering, without anything, which is supposed to be <laughs> insulin sensitizing. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, all right. And, and
0: some other questions I wanted to ask you about uh, I, I've noticed that you are very concerned and uh, something that is you do a lot is taking care of like your blood pressure, your heart, and using uh, medications to do this. So uh, for you guys that are listening, when we talk about like high dosages in in steroid use, you know, you're talking like, you know, a vial of testosterone a week or something like that, you, you know, like 2000 m- milligrams of testosterone a week and using other bodybuilding drugs, in order to do this at all safely, you have to be keeping your uh, blood markers in range while you do it using other medications, um, and you have to be keeping your organs functioning well, or else you will run into major problems. That, you know, sooner rather than later. So um, Vadim is he—he's about three hundred pounds, and so he definitely has to be very concerned with these things. Uh, what do you what do you do to protect yourself i know you take a uh, like a uh, uh, like i think you take some ace inhibitors and uh, uh other beta blockers
1: no not the ace inhibitors i take the uh, against in the receptor blockers the ARBs.
0: Because okay so like, uh, like acid-hubbers acid-hubbers
1: that, can, can that your brain fog and in, in my work is unacceptable so yeah but well you know i think that there are still topics which uh, has to be covered like people believe that taking care of your blood pressure taking care of your like, cardiovascular state is all about pills which it is not it is not uh well as, as we've spoken to david uh, i'm a big believer in cardio cardio training like daily using it to like 40 mm-hmm. to 60 minutes of or walking or cycling or whatsoever or just making sure that your heart works usually it pumps the blood and uh, before we we talked the, today you were you were doing you were on the bike before we talked yeah yeah i was doing my regular 45 minutes i do it daily and that's that's how you know even i managed to reverse my uh i managed to reverse my left ventricular hypertrophy yes because it was like i don't know it was probably f- 13 to 14 millimeters thick and now it's more like 11 11 and a half So it it went went much better. Yeah, I had ischemic heart disease when I was a teenager because, uh, well, you know this powerlifter who passed away uh, not long ago, uh, Konstantin Konstantinovs, Mm -hmm. like the the yeah, 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 the the guy who pulled like a lot of a lot of kilograms without without belt. And Mm -hmm. kind of the fact that I pull without a belt, it's 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 also kind of a tribute to him. So once, uh, there was a time in my life when I had like conversation with him and and he told me that I'm not using enough stuff. He just, he just told me that, well, if I want to be strong, I have to use, to his idea, it was two grams of testosterone per week and like one gram of DECA per week. DECA, I mean, not the NB, but DECA, the long ester. Yeah. And well, yeah, I used a little bit less at the time. I was using... Uh, a gram and twenty mg's of testosterone and eight hundred mg's of Deca. Well, needless to say, I got a lot bigger. Well, I was still looking like a peak. Uh, well, that's probably. You, you said you were using a gram and a half of testosterone,
0: and uh, you're using eight hundred
1: uh, uh, gram point two, like gram and two hundred. Gram point two. Okay, yeah. and
0: then and then he told you to increase your dosages, and and you did. Increase no, I was to, using even oh, less
1: before it. I was using even less. Okay, before. okay. He, he told I me see, like, I see. To go straight and use three grams, and I was using two grams. Well, I didn't quite listen. So I got stronger on this cycle, uh, but at the same time I wasn't controlling my estrogen. Well, so yeah, I also had a lot of fat, which uh, it was holding afterwards. And I got the ischemic heart disease after six months of such a great cycle. Yeah, I got stronger. I, I pulled 800 pounds for the first time basically, but it definitely wasn't worth it because afterwards my doctors like told me that, well, dude, that's, that's it. You, you probably shouldn't be doing it anymore. Because you will eventually fuck up your heart. And, and was well, yeah. It was, so very, the, very, the,
0: what was the main symptom that made you know that your heart was having problems?
1: Uh, well, first of all, that uh, my heart rate, which was like 100 and 110 resting. Uh, well, uh, oh, that's very high. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's very high. So now, now it's to compare. It's like resting. It's uh, 65 to 70, basically. Well, what I do, while well, while well, I'm doing everything right, at least I believe I'm doing everything right. <laughs> well, almost uh, so, almost
0: half. Yeah, so you've almost half reduced the strain on your heart, basically.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. So coming back to it, yeah, that's the heart rate, which was through the roof. Uh, my blood pressure, which was also through the roof. Uh, I tried to use Metaprolol, which uh, is a beta blocker at this time, the simplest one. It made things a little bit better, but still uh, I was breathing very hard. I had sleep apnea, and uh, that was the time before I discovered what a CPAP is. So wasn't sleeping with it i was sleepy throughout the day so you know i could be sitting like at the dining table and just in my phone and at the same time just i dec- i could have decided that i need to sleep and i would just pass out for 15 minutes <laughs> and then oh, wake wow. up when when and then wake up when my mother or my or my girlfriend would just disrupt and like, hey you're you're like snor- snoring so hard that like you know the cats or the dogs outside very very scared like just dude <laughs> <laughs> come over <it." laughs> so yeah it, w- it was pretty bad and uh, well what i've done afterwards i said like well uh i have to do something with it because i was 19 years old and it's not great when your doctor said like dude your heart is fucked up and i started just reading yeah. forms that's that's when i uh, that's when i got like maybe 50 percent of my expertise on cardiovascular health that i have today uh for these like three to four months and well i, I started like you know surfing for Reddit, started of like i even looked at gh15 at this time it was still kind of alive and whatever and uh, i found that many people had this problem and well the best solution which i found uh, at this time was like uh, buying a cycling bike which i use by now and i was just starting to do cardio and back then i started to do it like for one and a half and two hours per day so yeah i lost mm-hmm. a lot of weight i just got down with the dosages i um, I managed to, well, yeah, as as I said, get significantly leaner. And afterwards, I had like my heart monitored like in a year uh, after this story, and it got so much better. So the doctors couldn't believe like I said that's that's fucking impossible. Well, but still it happened. And so well, just from doing the cardio, that made a, a huge cardio, difference. Cardio, cardio, and it was at that time, it was that simple beta blocker metaprolol. As we spoke, I okay. said that I switched to an now, which is that much better because, well, it just doesn't hinder your performance and the assignment. It also helps you with your uh, heart pressure, like, initially, and it lowers down your heart rate. Uh, so, so for you yeah. guys
0: that are listening, if you don't know what a beta blocker does, a beta blocker slows down the speed of your heart and then also the... Uh, Strength of the contraction. So uh, the the, the nebivolol neb- that you take now, you like that better yes. than the metaprolol. It's, it's the most selective it one
1: because yes, it, it just uh, it just affects the beta one receptor, which is like about the heart. It doesn't uh, affect receptors in the brain. It doesn't. Uh, it, it just doesn't pass even the blood brain barrier. It doesn't affect the beta two receptor in, in your lungs at the same time. So yeah, it just doesn't hinder your performance and it, it makes you healthier overall. A wonderful medication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so I've I've taken I've taken a Nebivolol uh, uh, to to see what it does. Not not been a a regular user of it, but I've experimented with it, and it definitely drops my heart rate big time. And I would say that if somebody is not used to it, that they're going to notice that they're pretty much going to be on the couch for the rest of the day after using it. Would you say that you had a a like a a period of time that it took for you to get used to it until you felt normal using it again?
1: Uh, really not because I was the one who's experiencing tachycardia. So Nebula just brought me to my, my pulse to, to the point where it's supposed to be. Uh, what okay. your what, what you're saying is basically that the person who has a normal pulse, uh, whose heart rate is just fine—it's uh. it, like sixty to seventy—it can give him. Uh, it can. This person can receive such thing as a bradycardia. So, it, it is bradycardic state. His heart rate would be like thirty-five to forty beats per minute. And yeah, this is why he will just be groggy a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I see. Well, and well for today, as you as you said, I'm using ARB. I'm using telmisartan, uh, which yeah as we've discussed earlier in, in our like instagram conversation it's it's more like the kidney care stuff so if you want the sartan which is more selective uh, in lowering your blood pressure you probably should go for balsartan or azul sartan uh tell me sartan is really mild azil sartan yeah sorry hmm. uh Yes, uh, telmisartan is a lot milder, uh, and it's it's an ARB, not not an ACE inhibitor, which which is great.
0: Uh, the so beta a- will block the uh, the angiotensin system more to a more extreme level than telmisartan. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, yeah. He he probably the strongest one when valsartan is the most selective one, which is just operates in terms of blood pressure. Well, so, I think so for, for for most people, most people who are listening to us, I think using telmisartan would be pretty much okay. Telmisartan, the mild beta blocker, like low dose nebivolol, it will just do the job for them.
0: Yeah, And and also if if it doesn't, because there are so many guys that have high blood pressure. You know, the more that I've been talking to guys about have uh, their blood pressure problems and bodybuilding, it's almost universal. There are some guys, especially young guys, who don't have it yet. But it is so mm-hmm. common and experienced. Maybe
1: maybe they just never, uh, maybe they just never try to well figure what their blood pressure is. Uh, if, if they haven't <laughs> measured, they say they they don't have it. But probably yeah yeah
0: don't. yeah. So, so you're you're saying you're saying same same. You've noticed the same. It's it's almost universal problem. The
1: blood pressure. Absolutely, absolutely. And as you say, the young guys who just don't have it, they say I have no issues with blood pressure well if you're a healthy young dude the 10 to per- 10 to 15 percent elevation in your blood pressure you just won't notice it mm-hmm. it just doesn't affect you at all like, when you get older you feel it better so so everybody who believes that he's pretty much okay and have never had any issues with blood pressure but he's on cycle now it's probably a good idea to well go and measure it just once <laughs> what about sure.
0: uh you know the with the with the with the telmisartan,
1: there's also another
0: another class of drugs for for blood pressure, um, calcium channel blockers like amlodipine. Uh, that that is a, a effective like a combination with a, something like telmisartan.
1: Well, yeah, it's effective, but uh, well, you know, the problem is that these things it really uh, gets really deep into the calcium metabolism, all these pathways and when you just uh, when you stop taking it it can probably just uh it it just can't it will upregulate uh, all this calcium sensitivity all this calcium sensitivity receptors in your blood vessels and they will just calcinate even more for like a short period of time afterwards so i just try not to use it for example because, well, you know, because of the rebound like a rebound yes, effect you can't yes, you can't get absolutely. off once you get on yes yes yes. so it's it's, it's really hard uh well People who are pretty old and we're using for a long period of time, I just say, well, use it, just stay with it, don't experiment. But for the younger guys, I just, I just don't see why we should use it when we have, you know, all these uh, pretty modern beta blockers and we have uh, this Sartan, uh is like a whole class of drugs. So, why would we bother with something which is pretty much kind of obsolete to this point? Hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah, good advice uh and then and then with diuretics are you are you into diuretics with uh with it as well well yeah i uh,
1: kind of am but well you know the diuretics they usually don't solve the problem of blood pressure in medicine well the good doctors who understand what we're doing they give uh diuretics to people who have like a heart attack or a stroke so tr- just to let's just to decrease the blood volume for a period of time because the aldosterone it just through time it adapts to the moment that you're taking diuretics so probably like diuretic as we talk about acetazolamide, like the one which uh, increases your co2 production and it counters sleep apnea it could be used like cycling when you are trying to gain mass or like gain gaining muscle because you will run up into well high blood pressure problems but again cycled i just don't see i just don't see the place how we can use diuretics like year round well, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's a good idea because well again all these sodium retention, aldosterone-induced uh, pathways—they will adapt through some time. It could take uh, several weeks. It could take several months, but eventually, people who are on diuretics—that's like—that's uh, like one of the few medications to which you can adapt through all these, you know, sodium and potassium retaining mechanisms. Uh, do you do? Do you take any medications for your cholesterol too?
0: when whenever anybody is uh using steroids and they're using oral steroids or they're using trenbolone, etc they're gonna have cholesterol problems so do you do anything uh to uh, counter that
1: yes i do i haven't been doing for the last uh two years because i was using like nandrolone uh solo and when you're using nandrol, your cholesterol is fine it's, it's like it's yeah. like good all the ways yeah it never never changed i think i even I think I even showed you my analysis. Well, I can share it with you. Basically, it was fine. N- never using like anything, but now testosterone, it's obsessed, nandrolone, yeah. good for cholesterol. Usually not a problem. Well, yeah, I would say for, for testosterone, it starts to change when you're like after a gram per week, it it's still problematic because So you have to consider something. With nandrolone, I've never like seen any, any anything bad happening to it. Like even at two grams per week, so it it was cool all the way. <laughs> Well, but now I'm back on testosterone, so uh, I think my first go-to would be niacin, like a little bit of niacin, it makes it better. Well, you, you know, it has this flushing effect, which people don't like, but well, you get used yeah. to it, because yeah, this prostaglandin-induced response, it will go away, like in several weeks uh, after you do it. I use it like with my last meal of the day, and it's it doesn't very much reduce your total cholesterol, but it increases your HDL significantly i would say that uh, like 20 to 30 percent increase is what you would expect while using 500 mg of niacin so uh, good, well,
0: good cholesterol making a, a significant surge
1: yeah which is like the toothbrush for for your blood vessels mm-hmm. uh so you can even use more of niacin but the more you use uh, the more it can hinder your uh, glucose metabolism so uh, i would not advise to go like beyond this afterwards well If uh, if 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 I'm not good with niacin, well, I can probably stick to ezetimibe. Uh, You you know, it's dark. Mm -hmm. Ezetimibe. Uh, That's a pretty good uh, Swiss medicine. Ezetimibe. Azetamide. Ezetimibe. Okay. Yes, ezetimibe. Have you ever heard about it? I I haven't I
0: haven't I usually the cholesterol medications that I'm familiar with are the statin. The statins, but I, I'm not. Yeah, I was uh, I was gonna I was gonna,
1: gonna go to statins, but just I'm just saying what would be my go-to list. But statin is like the the last resort kind of. Well, why I love mm-hmm. person is It's it's like the thing which uh, hinders your ability to, to absorb cholesterol. And still, I would say that seven to eight out of ten people, the uh, the cholesterol from within it affects their total blood cholesterol levels in in, uh, in the blood. So. Ezetimibe can lower your LDL like by 30 to 40 percent and wow. it's, it's pretty it's pretty dramatic honestly yeah. well yeah people who try to use it like we've metformin for several few weeks they experience uh, mild diarrhea but it goes away for time it becomes mm-hmm. it becomes better because well kind of it's just uh, uh it just has its own impact on fat metabolism well we all understand that that's what happens to the intestines that's that's why that's why you can experience diarrhea <laughs> but still it's, it's good to go so yeah as i said niacin i would say uh afterwards niacin to just up your hdl is it to lower your ldl so already we have a pretty good uh heterogenic score at, at this point and if yeah. this doesn't work so i will just go to uh, some statin i I personally never used one, but uh, I don't think that they're like evil. These these are the drugs which save lives. They save millions of lives, and they're like demonized from <laughs> the world. Mm. Uh, yeah, something something
0: like rosuvastatin would probably be.
1: Yes, rosuvastatin is is like the first choice. Like atorvastatin is like the second. Rosuvastatin is is cool because it uh, doesn't pass the blood brain blood brain barrier. So. It it won't give you brain fog, it won't give you fatigue. But even uh, even at the doses of two and a half milligrams per day, it it still will it will still help you with your cholesterol. But I personally I just don't use them often because as I said, like this combo of niacin and azetamide it solves the problem well for like eighty percent of people.
0: Niacin and azetamide. So that's going to be uh, something that you guys are listening. Remember those too, because uh, they're very, very effective. Uh, yes. All right. So uh, let's let's get on to uh, a couple of questions here. Um, there there was a couple of really good questions that I wanted to read over and. Uh, yeah, you you've yeah. sent me
1: it in Telegram. Yes.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll I'll read them over here, and then uh, we'll we can both put our input in and see if we can help these guys out. OK, so the, the first question is from uh, Nicholas, and he asks, uh, can you talk about what those of us stuck in fucking lockdown with gyms closed should be doing, cycle and dosage? Currently, I'm doing 200 enanthate and 100 milligrams Trenbolone enanthate to try and hold on to some size and offset no exercise and not a fantastic diet thinking of adding in 500 milligrams of metformin daily as well. Uh, What do you think? Uh,
1: Well, I I would have switched trend for Prima Bolon if he has access to it, because, well, where are you going to put all this trend below Rage if you're like inside inside of your apartment? Who's who's (laughs) going to be your opponent, like your wife or your cat or or your mom? Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Yes, of course, you know, like being in a lockdown and using Tremble while you're in your apartment, it's is just, well, I just don't see uh, how it's going to play good for him. So, yeah, what would you say?
0: Uh, c- can you still hear me here?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay, okay, just making
0: sure. All right, so that um, you, you do recommend uh, continuing to use uh steroids during a person's lockdown to to prevent them from losing everything
1: well basically if he will try to come off uh he will probably just experience depression because well being in you know in this close like in four walls it will still will have uh, it will still ha- have uh, uh, some toll on you psychologically so if you will try to get off the cycle at this time, I just well, I just don't think it's a great idea. So at least testosterone—that's that's what I would—that's what I would leave. I wouldn't try to get away from testosterone being locked down. I, I agree 100 uh, percent. And and I actually have
0: heard from a lot of guys who, when the lockdowns first started in March 2020, they went off everything, and. It caused massive psychological problems in these people, where they had uh, extreme depression uh, combined with emotional eating, and they went from being like seriously jacked to being fat asses. And they've they've shown me pictures of their transformations during this time. And it's been remarkable seeing these kind of pictures.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally agree. I think, uh, I, think, I think here Metformin is also a good idea because, well, if, you, if you're if you inside an apartment, you just, it's hard to exercise to your full capacity. So trying to use something which will just uh, automatically, like, I mean, manually decrease your calorie intake throughout the day, it's good for retaining a good body fat percentage. <laughs> That's exactly what I think.
0: Metformin's kind of like it's kind of like the garbage, man, and it, it's going to be kind of taking out the garbage on some of that shit yeah. that you're putting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: yeah so I, I think his dosages are good, too. Uh, but you you recommend Premo instead of uh, Trenbolone because he's inside. What is he going to be doing? Taking it out on his, his wife or something? Uh, absolutely, much- absolutely,
1: or maybe just pure testosterone, because, well, you know, trend, I see trend, anadrol, well, dianabol, such stuff is when you're trying to just make a jump forward in terms of muscle mass and strength, and when we're talking about just retaining muscle mass, you just, you don't need such a strong artillery, Just not necessary. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, you know, so like you were saying. And with the
0: prima dosage, if he did if he did want to use you know something in addition to the testosterone, uh, the primabolain dosage that I would probably recommend him would be four hundred milligrams per week, something around there.
1: Yeah, definitely. I would say three three to four hundred, yeah cause considering he's probably not a very big dude of what of what he's uh, suggesting.
0: All right, cool. So uh, let's move on to this next question. then Silverback says, Love the podcast, working through every episode. The book Ultimate Guide to Roids is a joy to read. Uh, question, he has two questions and they're really good. So we're going to go over both of them. Uh, so, he says, I hear, I hear you often speaking of Uh He loves Winstrol. used it in cycles with moderate sustenon, 300 milligrams sustenon per week, 100 milligrams per day Winstrol." First three weeks, he had incredible strength gains and felt amazing. But then around week three, all his tendons and ligaments felt like they lost elasticity to the point where when he squatted down, he had a lot of pain. He tried taking joint supplements, but they didn't help much. Uh, then started taking large amounts of ibuprofen to get through workouts before finally oh, gave up dropped, dropped the wind from the cycle. Um, he, he didn't feel like there was any way he could uh, continue running it healthy, and wondering if there's any way that he could get away from that side effect. Um,
1: he doesn't want to use Deca because he gets instant Deca dick. What do you What do I you think? think? Uh, well, uh, the Winstrol we're we're talking about the injectable Winstrol, yes.
0: Ah, uh, he he didn't specify, but you know, I think uh, he he was only taking 300 Sustanon. And so I think this is kind of like a a novice, you know, a beginner. So so,
1: so, you, ma- so we probably assume, assume that it's it's tablets, yes? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I personally don't think that Winstrel is a good steroid to train with. <laughs> you know, there was a study conducted on it, uh, but well, there was injectable winstrol. Well, to be to be honest, uh, well, they they compared their testosterone, nandrolone, uh, growth hormone. And winstrol, and there is also trend balloon. There is also trend balloon in terms of uh, how it can uprise your collagen synthesis. And you know who won? Just guess. Growth hormone? Winstrol. won. Yeah, it did it managed to beat growth hormone and it kind of explains why it really increases your risk of injuries partly, because when your tendons, when your ligaments, they will get so beefed up with all this collagen, will just uh, shift it there. Uh, they become very thick, very fast. And well, at the same time, when they're not stretchy, it means that they're more prone to tears. Well, mm-hmm. so this is why I would say that heart training and winstrol is something which should never, never be used. Like at the same time. If I, well, if, if I give someone winstrol, if, if I advise it, I would say that it's just pump light workouts, like in the machines and, and, and no free weights for like, again, not, not very long periods of time. It makes you look sick. It makes you look a lot better. But at the same time, you have to remember that all this, uh, well, beefed, uh, beefed up collagen synthesis, it, it can be a bitch, honestly. And what our guy here experienced is that Winstrel and all the aneurys, but Winstrel in general is like the stuff which it affects with cyclooxygenase 1 and cyclooxygenase 2. These are the two, uh, how would you say it in, in English? It? the Oxans, maybe? Don't, doesn't, it's not the point. It's like... you these genes, right? These two yeah. genes, affect Yes, these, these two genes, these two, well, let's say, let's call them like signaling proteins, which uh, are responsible for inflammation. So, yeah, that's probably, probably he, he wasn't right, like, using Winsor, like, o- overall, because he says, like, for how long he was using it, like, five weeks? Uh, yeah, he, no, no I, I think
0: it was, it was longer, wasn't it? Uh, oh, it was three weeks, and the first three weeks, he said, was amazing, but then after that, it got bad for him
1: yeah that's that's probably where she he he probably would have uh, would have been better off that at, at the end of the third week he would it would be better if he would have stopped it like this this menstrual cycle because well you know all this uh inflammation it can it can build up through the time so no, nobiprofen can heal it because well at the same you know it, it's it's like you have a scrap and uh, well it, it tries to heal and, and you just pinch it with with your nails at the, at the same time it won't heal so he's mm-hmm. like using ibuprofen to trying to prevent well the further uh, raise in you know, like inflammation markers. And the same he's using winstrol, who just promotes it by itself, even like not the training with winstrol, but winstrol yeah. itself. It's like why people on Mastron, why people on Winstrel, they can uh, well you, you can know they can experience that uh, their older pains from their older injuries it comes back, well slightly, you, even even the, without them using, even without them visiting the, the gym basically so he was using it for too long. Uh, I think he, he should just stop using Winstrel and well, if he doesn't want to use uh, Deca, he can just uh, use a higher dose of testosterone, like 600 mix per week. And, uh, well, uh, maybe, uh, maybe that's, that's not like an advice. That's what probably I would have done. I would have just not taken aromatized inhibitor and make, you know, all this water flow, like for the for joints, like through estrogen retention, like for several weeks. To, and yeah, once again, he'll feel better quickly. Better quickly. yes, yes, he will feel better quickly. Uh, you know,
0: with with the wind straw, I, I agree that the, you know what you were saying about the those genes uh, being upregulated to him, and that him personally, he just 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 stopped using it. Is that a lot of these steroids? They do depend on your specific individual genes, and that's why a lot of the people have to go through taking different types of steroids. There's almost like no substitute for just taking each different steroid yourself and seeing which ones do I feel good on, which ones do I train good on, Absolutely. which ones do I feel like shit on, and which ones do I train bad on.
1: Yeah, you know, like about Winstroll, we, uh, in Latvia, which is like my mother's homeland, uh, in my gym, we're also like Very, very is a guy who did bench 305 kgs raw. And he benched it, like, without an arch in a pretty bodybuilding style. And, you know, the stuff that he was using, his best go-to-cycle was uh, winstrol and trend below. So I would say <laughs> that fucking everybody, like, 199%, uh, 199 people out of 200 would have been fucking teared apart. Well, he eventually also teared apart, but uh, he got his injury when he decided that he, uh, he should have added dexamethasone to the mix because he read somewhere that it would make him stronger. Oh, so bad, bad. Yeah, as, as you say, we steroids. we all have we all have pretty unique genetics, and uh, some people can get away with a lot of stuff, and some of us, <laughs> and some of us have to be intelligent. <laughs> mm-hmm. If we want okay. something from, from our bodies. Yeah, that that's a good advice,
0: and yes, you guys stay away from catabolic steroids, breaking the steroids that break your body down. Yeah,
1: glucocorticoids. Like, like, uh, very 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 good, you know. If we say that uh, Winslow could be good for three weeks, I mean, dexamethasone could be good for like three days. <laughs> and that's uh, just a nightmare.
0: <laughs> All right. And then uh, his second question is he's currently running a high test cycle, uh, 750 susten on a week, 300 tren ace per week. So this guy, he likes – <laughs> he, he's a funny guy, you know. Uh, yeah. 10 milligrams LGD 4033 and 20 milligrams RAD 140 per day. So Sarm's with his steroids. So getting great progress in my strength and size. But this past week, been experiencing signs of liver toxicity. Red in the corners of my eyes. And when when he says red in the corners of my eyes, I'm almost positive that he's talking about the area where near his nose, where the uh. Uh, the tear ducts are. Um uh-huh. it, he says extreme lethargy, like I could literally do nothing but sleep all day, and it takes every what every ounce of my energy to get up and go to the gym. I'm not taking the orals, so why am I showing signs of liver toxicity? Um, is there anything I can do besides
1: go off cycle to feel good again? I've decided oh, shit. To... He, he's he's 42. Shit. he's 42, yeah. Yeah, not good. Um, not good. What what do you think about this guy? Well, I think he likes this uh, quote which Arnold said that champions don't run away from pain; they chase pain in the gym. Because <laughs> it is, like explains his uh, well cycling philosophy. Well, I think that he, if he's 42, he must uh, get away from SARS. He must stop using them like immediately because well, SARS fuck up your cholesterol like pretty badly. It's it's like almost like Winstroll. It's probably yep. like the category of drugs which you'll be better off not using after you're 35. That's my opinion on it. To protect yeah. it. Yes, yes. Uh, and well, if he if just want to get jacked, and I think that's all he wants pretty much, I would advise him using you know, maybe 500 mg of test per week, like 700 mg of Prima per week, Prima, prima Bolon 700 per week. And uh, well, also throwing some insulin, like as we said, pre-workout and post-workout, and use some growth hormone at, at low dosages, even not, not like even every day. You know, what uh, I sometimes people like advice to the, uh, my advice to people sometimes is to use like growth hormone five days a week and like use metformin two days a week. For example, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, from Monday to Friday using growth hormone uh, before, before sleep and uh, uh, basically Saturday, Sunday, you have your low carbohydrate days when you also will add in metformin before going to bed. And it just, well, spikes up your insulin sensitivity and you're good to like ingest carbs like for Monday and well, once again, train hard for the the following week. So kind of cycling their insulin
0: sensitivity there because the growth hormone during the week is kind of making it uh, less. Yes,
1: it will, uh, growth hormone plus insulin during the week, it will hinder it a little bit, but through low carbohydrate days during the weekend, it will be restored. So you're good to go for the following five days. Along with the metformin, low carbohydrates plus metformin yeah yeah it's like you know we, we talked about it like fasting like one or two days and adding like metformin Where it, it, it helps it, it really helps to neglect all, all the damage that you've done to your glucose uh, disposal system like throughout the week mm-hmm. that's that's what I would use because well you know he's 42 that means that well he using his orals uh, any oral will add up pressure to the liver the pressure to the liver means it wouldn't like properly um, it wouldn't properly handling the cholesterol so his uh, blood work would look terrible afterwards so i would just say when you are over 40 well if, if you want to get jacked if you really want it well then you use testosterone use primobolan, you use a little bit of growth a little bit of metformin, a little bit of insulin and well that's that's a pretty good combo you can get really really far far away with it and oh, really it, 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 it won't affect your health well at least at least it won't strongly affect it but uh, no, I, I told you that uh, I, I'm a retire when I'm a thirty, and when I'm forty, I probably won't be using again if you' more with like one vial of the per week. And when I say vial, I mean like vial with one milliliter and two hundred and fifty keys. Ah, yeah, the ample. yeah. Uh, so th- this
0: guy he he was he was saying that he's got this redness um in the corners of his eyes. And this is something that you'll see with a lot of, uh, guys who are into roids or or bodybuilders powerlifters big people is you'll see that the color of the whites of their eyes uh takes on a more red color and this usually emanates from the part of the eye near the nose where the tear ducts are and you kind of see this redness come out throughout their eyes H- have you seen that
1: yeah, now I understand that. Well, I've seen it, but I've never like, you know, I've never like put attention to it. But yeah, now I understand what, what you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, yeah. So th- this is one of those things that is that is uh, that is not talked about much, but it's something that we all observe. So I, you know, I have noticed myself uh, that blood pressure is a major component to this, being that uh, if somebody has high, high blood pressure, they're intraocular. Uh, or the blood pressure in their eyes also increases, which then increases the visibility of the veins there. Yes, exactly. Yes. Hmm. Uh, and then the, the other the other thing um, that I've noticed with the with the with, the, you know what? That the the, eye, the eyes the eyes thing it's it's a weird thing. I I think I think the the kidneys and the blood pressure are the main things here, because the the eyes and the kidneys, they seem to be connected or have some kind of a um, a, 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 a same origin. When they're when you're in the, the womb and you're, you're growing, the, the kidneys and the eyes come from the same piece of tissue. And so the health of the eyes can be like looking at the health of your kidneys. And I've noticed that people with bad kidney function and people with high blood pressure are the people who are experiencing these eye problems
1: the Yeah, you know, they even sometimes look like the people with Hashimoto's, like with their eyeballs like a little bit out, out of the yeah. circle where it's, where it's supposed to be. Yeah, I get it. But know, the guy we're talking about, like, uh, his eye problems might be related to SARPs. Uh, well, I can only speculate on this, but uh, once I was young and stupid, of course, I'm just now, I'm just stupid now, I'm no, I'm no longer young. Uh, I once tried, you know, combining SARMs with serms, And you know, mm. I'm a person who has a history of uh, eye disease. I uh, get this accommodation spasm pretty often and it happens, well, pretty badly sometimes. And when I e- combined SARMs with serms, which got like no point in combining, but I just did it anyways. <laughs> I got like the worst fucking spasm that I ever experienced. It was, you know, it was really hard for me to even open my eyes. So I had to use special like eye drops, which we use, I, I just don't, don't remember how how very how cold, like for me to even like, you know, just start seeing again. So I think, well, it's, we're very aware of the fact that uh, serums, especially tamoxifen, uh, well, they are bad for your eyes, like in general, yeah. they can induce retinal damage over time. And well, if, if you abuse them also, like, they can do it. Uh, and I think serums do it also. I think it's all somehow related, but, well, we don't understand the correct mechanism by which it happens, but uh, it does, it does exist.
0: There is, there is a, one of those SARMs, the S4 SARM, is actually known for changing like
1: and, and the Andarin, yes, it's, it's called this.
0: Yeah, yeah, Andarin, yeah. That one's changes people's color vision a bit.
1: Yeah, it's, pr- it's pretty bad. I would have never used it, like, honestly so you're not a Sarms fan. You you you're not No, into... no, you know, you know, I think LGD, I think Ryan 140 are, are are not a bad thing, but well I, I don't see the point why you use them together because well it just doesn't make any sense. It's they bind to the same receptor, so uh, I, I believe if you if you are into Sarms, you, you you'd better use one. I think Sarms are maybe a good alternative to orals in relatively small dosages uh if we are dealing with a person who has a problem with like bile exertion, well, first of all, or a person who gets nauseous because of like, you know, using like the classical ideas like uh Dianabal or oxymethylone. So, yeah, I think startups have, have their own place, but uh, I think they are highly overrated by the people who sell them. Highly yeah. overrated. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All the all the people that sell them, they
1: pretty, pretty much... That I think I think your best friend will he will he will admit it like the one who, who who were your friend back in Thailand before this shit happened to your like <laughs> yeah yeah you know what but people that don't have anything
0: to do with selling sarms I've never heard a single person that doesn't have anything to do with selling them rave about them and think they're the shit. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, honestly, uh, you know, I, I got a pretty small shop in Russia where we sell GH, we sell Klimburel, we sell stuff like this, we sell Colomifane, and we sometimes sell SARMs, but well, mm-hmm. we only sell LGD and we'll sell RAT 40 because these are the two substances I believe in, and I think that they have its own place, but I would be like, the last person would say like, they're the next big thing, they're, they're, they're the, the stuff which will, you know, like overthrow the steroids or whatever, because they will never do it, like, never ever. It's just, it's just yeah. like a, an anabolic, which it, it works, and, and that's it. Well, nothing more to it. Mm-hmm. But once again, I don't see the point while well, well, well our guy is combining it. it, it better. Well, he'd better not even use terms, honestly, at the age of 40 plus.
0: Yeah, well, I, I like what you recommended him. Uh, a, bit, a bit of testosterone, a bit of premobulin, a bit of growth hormone. And if he wants to use a bit of insulin, mm-hmm he he could definitely be more jacked than almost everyone in every gym he goes to well,
1: well yeah uh, i i've also read his message and he said that he's 10 to 12, 12% body fat so that's definitely a guy who <laughs> who won't be hurt from like just a little bit of insulin he, his physique won't be ruined he will look better like more fullness and whatever he like it mm-hmm.
0: uh so so uh we're just about we're just about up a time here, guys. But I wanted to ask Vadim one more question. Uh, do, do you do you find any um, fat loss uh, benefits to insulin, or do you think that it's it's used only as something to build size?
1: <laughs> well, you know, I think it, it says the part where I probably won't agree with uh, like modern Western coaches who say that you use insulin before cardio so you burn more more fat. I just don't see how it happens. Because you know I'm very big on endocrinology books and what I read, and well, you don't even have to be an endocrinologist and well read about the hormones. You can just open uh, the manual which comes with the insulin pen you're, you know, once you buy in pharmacy, and it is written that it decreases the fatty acid oxidation. So no, in, in my opinion, well, from what I've read, I just don't see how insulin can make you leaner. Yeah, like, I,
0: I same same from from what uh, the studying that I've done, it's. It seems to be something that it lock, it opens up cells and it locks nutrients into cells and that's not the other way around.
1: Yeah. And you know how I explain it because well, when I use insulin, I can get away with eating less calories and still grow. As you said, like it, it closes down the nutrients in the, in the cells. You just, Mm. yes, just your calorie expenditure decreases so if for example i need to eat 6000 calories to grow with like using ten a.us of insulin i can eat 5000 calories and still grow at the same time mm-hmm. so that's that's a pretty valuable instrument right here which again once it's applied correctly it, it can help you it, it can help you with you know eating less carbohydrates and eating less food in general so don't just invest in uh, extending your stomach <laughs> You know, you know, you know, like forward in in, in every ever in, every, in, every, in every turn, uh, and at the same time, yes, still get the necessary anabolic response.
0: And uh, you you mentioned something to me one time about uh, athletes and their insulin use. We know we know growth hormone and insulin are very important to people who are doing athletics. Not everybody that listens to the podcast, you know, is trying to get big and strong. Some of these guys are are just guys playing sports, so uh for a a guy for a guy who's playing sports and he's trying to maximize his performance
1: how how would you recommend him to use his his insulin uh i I would say it it would be something between uh two to four IU's. well after hard workouts basically because well if if you're doing athletics and you use insulin pre-workout you can get too buffed up you can well get all this uh sodium inside yourself which will make you less flexible and will make you hold less water so it's basically we're talking about well using it in the evenings well just to recover throughout the night faster because well you know in terms of recovery i think that insulin pretty much ends up at probably the higher uh, at, at probably six to eight units per injection Everything beyond that is just what we use to retain more, more water, retain more nutrients, which is also great. It's great for bodybuilding. It's great before powerlifting competitions, when you want to be more rounded, when you want to have better angles, like while you're squatting, benching and whatever, but in terms of even the pure athleticism, in terms when you just want to recover between your working sessions, uh, well, that's, that's, that's not very high doses. in fact, very, very little and they will still work. They will still make you recover faster. And, and you're, you're talking three to five I use even even sometimes two or three if we're talking like about people who are 60 or 70 kgs it will it will be also okay because it's exogenous insulin it just doesn't uh well it doesn't have it, its own spikes it just you inject and it's like it's like there for for how long it's supposed to be like de- depending on which one you use like hour two hours
0: and and which one uh is your your preferred type of insulin with uh with
1: sports sportsmen uh, the, the shorter ones the ultra short like novolin r i believe that, that, that's the one in english we use maybe you you talked about it one while you were like in, in ukraine like there is this pretty cool which is called like insulin glulisid like it's called apidra i believe and uh, i don't know how they've done it but it's just more effective unit per unit somehow interesting it's probably, Yes. Yes. Well, I uh, I've used it several times and and I like it more. But still, Novelin does does the job. So. Okay. What do you, What do you think of uh, Humulin Humulin R? Uh, that's That's like not ultra short. Just Just like short acting. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it has its own application, but I. I I just don't use it because, well, I see it as the point you know, we inject insulin, we eat a high carbohydrate and high protein meal, and that's what we don't need it pretty much. And you know, in in bodybuilding, there are also people who are using long acting insulins like Lantos, like throughout the day. And everybody who I worked with who tried to experiment with it, uh, I don't know, you know, all this uh, mTOR and AMPK equation, which became quite popular like in recent years. So we just don't yet understand how it's working, but probably like this constant stimulation of mTOR, it just in through through some time while you're doing it, it will just compromise your ability to build muscle afterwards. So it probably has to be like peaks, you know, like anabolic peak and like some catabolic time afterwards. Again, anabolic peak and some time to like catabolize afterwards.
0: That's that's just how I see it. And so when you're having your guys uh, take these ultra rapid acting insulins like that, the, the danger with that or, or the, the side effect that is most re- often experienced is that um, the hypoglycemic effects and the uh, brain fog effects, because insulin crosses the blood brain barrier, are very potent oh. in these guys. So especially with guys that are new to taking insulin and they're taking these fast acting insulins, they can even just take one like you. And that alone will, you know, make them turn ghost white and be uh, feeling, you know, very <sighs> comfortable for a while. So, how do how do you have them deal with that?
1: Well, I, I think these these are the guys who are just well, they have a, a pretty white fantasy world. <laughs> uh, well, you 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 have to make yourself believe it is going to happen this way because well probably one a u of insulin that's it's how many points of blood sugar i just don't remember it that's it's it's really impossible to well go to hypo if you if you will give someone like two i use of insulin it just won't happen so uh, i've never I've never made anyone go to hypoglycemia because uh, well, you know all school bodybuilders they believe that there's some this anabolic age that you have to well, just inject insulin and then wait for it to come just uh, only eat when you're sweating. I don't believe in it I just don't see where science backs it up so. Uh, with conservative dosing, like I said, I've never prescribed anyone more than eight A.U.s per uh, per shot. Uh, it just doesn't happen. You just well eat your meal and and it's and it's okay. Yeah, everybody is afraid of insulin because you know all of these stories of these fuckheads who will like walking. I don't know walking abortion advertisement as they call them like who say that you just have to inject like 50 use of insulin like several times a day because that's that's what the pros do They're, no pros don't do it we, we don't we are just consistent with small doses for prolonged periods of time and we know how to time it right um yeah everybody's afraid because of these uh, horror stories of people passing out and dying first of all i well talking through the, all this biochemistry cascades i, I think it's it, it really must be a type of bad luck if, if a person dies when he's even overdose of insulin, mainly because even if you're in a coma, uh, well, your heart and your brain can still function lactate, which you can produce a lot. So it's a yeah. really rare, rare scenario. Mostly while people die on insulin, it's because they pass out and they hit their head while they're falling, or you know they start throwing up, throwing up while they're on their Choke. spine. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. And some, yes yes and sometimes well they they try to eat and well uh it just stacks in their throat. like probably probably what happened to dallas mccarver that's probably it, because he was like found with like pizza boxes around him yeah well yes so that's that's it just okay well i just don't think people should be that, that very much afraid of it because well i don't say that insulin like is a death drug uh dnp is a death drug basically for I mean insulin, it's it's really hard to die on it. You have to be very very stupid and you have to be unlucky at the same time, which which is rare because well all the fuckers are usually lucky. Yeah,
0: so so for you guys that are are uh, you know thinking about using insulin and you want to be you want to be as safe as possible with it, you you should definitely have a liquid uh, carbohydrate source uh, on hand to deal with hypoglycemia. You know like we're yeah, like about- dextrose
1: like, the yeah. extras with BCAs like, on your hand, so you drink it, you're okay. Mm-hmm. That way you don't Absolutely. end up with a Dallas McCarver choking situation. Yeah, because, like, you know, people who are trying to eat pasta or pizza or anything, that's, that's like, a, a pretty, it's very hard to swallow. So, mm-hmm. and people, when we're hypoglycemic, they go in the state of hysteria almost. They, they're afraid to die. Well, nobody wants to die, basically. So, yeah, they just try to swallow down the food, which is not great. So, yeah, but like kind of a dextrose solution. Well, even like sugar, sugary solution, like it would be also okay. But, well, why should we risk it? Because, you know, all this fat accumulation and whatsoever. Stay with dextrose. Yep,
0: dextrose, very good. All right, Vadim, thank you very much for taking your time out to come talk to everybody listening to the podcast today, bro.
1: Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for for thank you for inviting me. Oh, it, it, it was great talking to you.